Dan and Corey here, welcoming you into Libservative. The great fundamental issue now before our people. We, the people, cannot Yeah. Welcome in. Hello. Another episode of Libservative. I'm here. That's Corey Walsh. <laughs> That's Dan Griffin. No, I, I don't know why he felt the need for me to say his name so fast, but we've, we've been having one of those days. Actually, I just let you and the audience know I'm here. I think I do know why. It's because we're only two weeks away from uh, Armageddon, uh, from the end of the world and the end of democracy in particular. So we're going to certainly touch on that tonight. We've also got... uh, uh, It's going to be interesting because we're going to have two white non-Jews discussing the Kanye situation. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, Plus a whole (laughs) bunch... And a a whole bunch more. But first, uh, uh, Corey's got a word. Yeah, um, Libservative Podcast can be found on all of your social media and podcast platforms. Our website is podpage.com slash Libservative. You can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at LibservativePod. And you can find our transcripts at LibservativePodcast.wordpress.com. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast, and you can reach out directly at LibservativePod at gmail.com. Subscribe today! But also, uh, <laughs> real quick, give us a rating a because infomercial. It, it helps boost up those numbers. We got rookie numbers, Dan. That's okay. That's right. I mean, we could be rookie of the year, though. Rookie of the year, that's a good award. I'd take the Calder Trophy. Is, uh, uh, the only reason I said the Calder Trophy is because the Red Wings are playing right now. I'll take kind, it. kind of distracted. So You know what? I'm actually pretty pissed about that. You want to hear me be pissed off about that? I've been hearing good things about the Wings. And I've been wanting to see them play now. For how many games are they in? Like five, six? I don't know, but they got their asses kicked the other night. So it was a, it was the first okay. So one time, first game they really looked but, bad. Yeah, it was the first game they really really looked bad. So, but they have it on this. It's like blacked out locally. You have to go through ESPN Plus. Men don't have ESPN Plus, and I'm pissed. I actually want to watch the team this year, and I fucking can't. I haven't wanted to watch the Wings. Since like 2013, like their last year, they made it to the playoffs when they almost made it or whatever. <laughs> like when they were on that cusp. Yeah. I remember being at the bar and people crying and shit. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not meanwhile, meanwhile, it, like true, true hockey fans and like that really understood what was going on inside that organization. Everybody was like, can you please just stop fucking making the playoffs? Can we rebuild? This They're thing? ready for the rebuild. Yeah, I mean, well, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, we won't get off on too much of a sports tangent, but you guys know how much I love it. The thing about the NHL and the NBA, they have one thing in common, which is the fact that their salary cap makes it so that being like middling, like one of those middling teams that's like kind of okay, but not really good good is like the worst place to be in either of those leagues right. you either want to tank to the bottom so you can rebuild again or you want to be winning championships or competing for championships and the Red Wings yeah, you don't want to be in the middle on your way out you want to be in the middle on your way up oh if you are and if you are in the middle on your way out uh fucking tank quickly throw the game <laughs> get it over with get, trade away all your pieces whatever you gotta Just do put a but, mop bucket in for goalie so you can't watch goalie first quarter you can't watch the period. red wings but what are you consuming Corey? Like, um, culturally. so I watched the Northman last night. The hell is that? 
Uh, it's I forget. It's uh, has uh, Willem Dafoe in it. I don't even know who the other actors are. It's like a Viking uh, movie. It's uh, it was pretty good actually. Like if you're into like old like just like mythology and stuff like that, especially like Vikings and shit. Like it was it was pretty dope. Like it, it was real into pagan and shit. There was this line in it where I was actually kind of funny. They're pagans, right? And they're Vikings. And it's around that time when, like, the Vikings and the Christians were all fighting and shit like that. And even though the pagans did crazy sacrifices and stuff, too, there was this point where, like, this person died in a weird way. And they're like, this had to be the Christians. Their God is nailed to a cross. (laughs) And it was like, wow, they're right. Like, could you imagine, like, being on the other side that thinking, like, these people are literally worshiping a dead guy nailed to a tree? Like, it would look pretty uh, sadistic. I just thought it was an interesting thing. It was it was a good movie. It was definitely like an old mythic, you know that the here like I'm not, I don't want to I don't know if anyone's watched it yet. I don't want to blow it completely, but well, Willem Dafoe does have this like uncanny ability to be funny without looking like he's trying to be funny. So I can imagine that being pretty. He's a really good actor. He's fucking weird as shit, but he's a good actor. Yeah, I love his fangs. Right, he's actually a vampire. Nobody. Yeah, really if you're this. into so if you're into that old like mythos and all that stuff, then. It was it was it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. A lot of action, a lot of cool shit, a lot of uh, the Fey and like pagan religion in it and stuff. And it was cool. Other than that, um, what else have I been listening to, Dan? I don't know. I've really been listening to much. Just podcasts. I just mostly. picked up the. Uh, bear with me. Bear with me for anybody that hates the corporate media as much as I do. I bet I, I started up the. Uh, the New York Times podcast. We were three. Have you heard about this one? It came out. Came, I think it came out a few weeks ago. It was in in coots with NPR. But like the New York Times, for as shitty as a publication as they are, and, and NPR for how bent they can be at times, they do really good narrative podcasts. I don't know if you've like noticed that. This is like from Serial Productions, and everybody loves Serial. Who didn't love that story? Uh, Adnan Syed is he? Is he actually freed? I couldn't. I don't remember what that story was. Was he? Was oh, I Google it later or whatever talking. it was. I don't know. There was news a couple weeks ago. But anyway, this podcast is like a really tragic story about like uh, of an abusive father and his son and daughter. And the daughter is the only one that's still alive because the father and son died of COVID because they were conspiracy theorists about the vaccine. <laughs> And uh, Syed was released last month. That's what I thought. I thought I saw that story. I'm not. I, I'm, I knew I wasn't crazy. Um, but so you're not crazy, Dan. The world is. So the, the whole first episode, I'm, I'm through like one and a half episodes. Is is an interview with the daughter, the only one that's still alive. Uh, and it's all about the text messages that she was going through with her brother while her dad was sick, because she just found out one day through text message, "Yo, dad's dead." Basically, is what the uh, is what the brother said, and. So he starts talking about his symptoms and like she convinces him to go to the hospital, even though he doesn't trust hospitals, he doesn't trust the medical system. He doesn't like, he's, he was one of those COVID conspiracy theorists. And um, he basically leaves the hospital uh, against the advice of uh, the medical staff, but doesn't tell his sister, tells her a whole different story. Meanwhile, he's texting back and forth with another cousin who's putting all the all the uh, conspiracy theory propaganda into his head. So I won't I won't give a whole lot more away, but it's I, I'm wondering what the second and third episode are going to be. I think it's going to be mostly their like their backstory, and I think the the whole point of the story is like, what do you do when somebody 
that you love, you know, basically you feel like they killed your father because they didn't get a medical help and like sort of the things that COVID kind of revealed about our psyche uh, over that time. So it, it was the first, it, first episode was fantastic. I'm like 10 minutes into the second one. Um, just a, an interesting story. It's we were three. Uh, if you haven't heard it yet, one of the, one of the few things it's like, I feel about the New York times and NPR kind of the same way I feel about ESPN and the way they present news because ESPN, like their 30 for 30 documentaries and their E sixties are really good. But like, it's like sports center is basically just a woke fest. Now it's really weird. Um, I kind of feel the same way about that as I do about, NPR and the New York Times. I like their narrative podcasts, but I don't necessarily like the way they present the news, if that makes sense. Right. Like New York Times <laughs> has some, de- they ha- like, I mean, I still, I still consider them like credible in a sense, but it's like, I really have to like be like apprehensive about like the narrative. Yeah. Like, you if I to- read, I'll read an article from them and like, you know, and like take it as credibility, like take the credibility of it. But then I'll also read an article from another outlet. What's why you about the same thing? Because we both listen to Up First from NPR, the uh, like the fifteen minute short news podcast yeah, in the morning. I listen to Up First. And I listen to the Daily Wire. I was going to say Wire. you actually put me onto the Morning Wire because it's basically the rights version of what Up First is. So it's like you literally <laughs> get both sides in the same kind of. Uh, and what's funny? What, you know what I find super interesting about those two shows? It's basically the same show. One's got a right leaning narrative. One's got a left leaning narrative, and they never tell the same stories. <laughs> Like they're ne- they're never talking no, about the same don't. thing on any particular day. So it's that means it's basically what CNN and Fox News do at the end of the day. So it's interesting. But yeah, but they're both way mellowed down. It is still factual news outlets. Oh, for it's sure. Just yeah. what they're deciding to cover and things like that. It's not like uh, like we're, what we're going to talk about today. The uh, the uh, impending end of democracy. What would this be? Three point oh. Um. Yeah. Yeah. The impending- well, actually, what it would no, it'd be four point oh. Trump's election, that midterm. Ah, uh, yes. Election, that's right. That's midterm. right. Yeah, the end of democracy, 4.0. Um, but for do you want to do you want to do you want to bust into the Kanye thing first? Because I think that yeah, I was actually going to say what I've been <laughs> listening to is uh, "Touch the Sky" by Kanye West. Also, the song you really remember the song "Touch the Sky." Yeah, barely. But yeah. Right, what, did, what did he say? <laughs> uh, walking in the room, looking hella fly. Oh fuck! No, that's not all. Oh, you damn. already forgot. Like, you smoked way too much weed before this show. Mm-mm-mm. No, I drank uh, three Miller Lite pints while I was watching this uh, YouTube video of this guy. It was called the fourteen twenty. It's called fourteen twenty two, and he just walks around Moscow and asks Russians questions, which is what I meant to bring up in the pre-show, but we never got to that point. That's all right. That's also what I've been consuming. That's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know when it comes to... I mean, everybody knows about the tweet, I think, at this point. what it, I can't remember what he said. I'm, I'm going to go death. DEFCON 3? No, death. D-E-A-T-H. DEFCON 3 on the Jewish people or whatever the hell he said in, in the tweet. I think it was just DEFCON 3. I what think a, that's all he said. Whatever. It, it doesn't doesn't even matter. And that's because, just, I think that was just his dumb ass actually trying to say DEFCON 3, but yeah, he just yeah. thought it was DEFCON. Yeah, yeah. He's, what a genius. Um, so... <laughs> He's, he is a genius. I, self, self, self-prescribed. I, I, self-described. I think I've learned my lesson. Uh, I think I learned this lesson a long time ago. Than to like place a a person's entire existence and what they represent based on a fucking tweet. Um, I think we've made that mistake many, many times, and I think the uh, woke mob 
still makes that mistake all the time, although they don't see it as a mistake. Um, so I didn't really take too much credence into that. I didn't take too much credence into the you know the whole White Lives Matter hoodie. You know the Kanye like to me like hey whatever you know that's that's Kanye being Kanye you know being right wing is kind of a counterculture thing now that's what he's always done which is still really fucking weird to me but then then you and I both took the two plus hours out of our day to listen to his interview that he did on the Lex Friedman podcast and I don't know that. I don't know how many I know I know a lot of people listen to Lex. I don't know how many of our listeners listen to Lex. I think Lex is awesome. I don't listen to every single one of his shows because some of them they can get kind of nerdy and just not really my bag. But every once in a while he's got a guest on that I really enjoy. And this was one that I feel was important. So you and I both took the two plus hours out to listen to it. And I don't know about you, Corey, but I have spent a lot of time thinking about the things that Kanye said uh on that podcast because all I could do it seemed like every five minutes, I, I I I just went, oh my god, oh my god, because for 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 two reasons. One is that Kanye spent, I would imagine, half the show just incoherently rambling. Right? He sounded like a dumb person that's trying to sound intelligent. If you know what I mean. Like just yeah. they, they just kind of keep talking and using big words and like using a bunch of analogies that don't apply to anything. Yeah, it was it was the most cringe was one of the most cringeworthy things I had ever heard. But obviously, the the, the, the topic at hand is you know the 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 the, the anti semitism thing. And yeah, I, I, I'll I'll just tell you what I got out of it, and then I'll let you go. Um, all I really noticed was that so many of the talking points that Kanye used on the Lex Friedman show, I mean, dude, they were they were almost literally straight out of a Joseph Goebbels propaganda handbook. I mean, when he kept referring to the quote unquote Jewish media, right? Or um, you know, Jews running Hollywood or the music industry and all these things, I was like, this like, like that is exactly how Nazi propaganda started. It didn't start with like, um, yeah, Jews are really bad and we need to l- put them in concentration camps and then ultimately exterminate all of them. That's not how it started. It was like the, it was planting these little seeds, right? Of like, hey, look, uh, we should probably be asking questions about all these Jews around here. What are the hell? What the what in the hell are they doing? Like that's how the Nazi propaganda started, and that is exactly the type of terminology and the way that Kanye was was talking about this stuff on Lex Friedman's show. And I w- it was the first time, it was the first time in my lifetime and probably my parents' lifetime that I can remember somebody as high profile as Kanye West using this type of language. And then he tries to kind of push it to the side by saying things like... Uh, we just need to forget about history. We need to think about now. And right now the Jews are running the media. Like, like that's some sort of, it was just so bizarre. It honestly, uh, that, uh, that's all I have to say to start Corey. I'll let you go ahead. I'm sure I'll have more to say by the time you're done. Yeah. So it's the, the interview itself. First off, it started, it reminded me of a scene out of law and order special victims unit to where it would be home girl. I forget her name, 
something Mendez, I think. Uh, when she'd be sitting there with the little kid and he's just drawing pictures mm-hmm. <laughs> and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, what does that mean? And that's what it was because he was literally drawing pictures and writing stuff down. So at first I was like trying to figure out where, what exactly is going on inside Kanye West's brain. Because of the fact, like I said, like the same thing, I didn't prescribe to the uh, to the whole White Lives Matter thing. I can give two shits about him. I don't know who Virgil is. I don't know who Ben is. Ben Sigliali or whatever is apparently he's a big fashion mogul. I didn't really know anything about his Adidas like contract. I knew he made clothes. I always thought they looked like shit, and that's as far as I looked into it. <laughs> that was I part of the point. Less. That was apparently that was a part of the point, which is fine. Yeah, right, and you know, and like, and maybe there is some genius in that. Like, I understand all that. Like, but and like when the guy is talking, you can almost kind of see what he's trying to pinpoint that he's being targeted, right? He's yeah. being targeted. And so I'll give him that benefit of the doubt that maybe he's used to just writing 16 bars and not actually trying to explain what he says. This is probably why a lot of rappers like Eminem, when they ask him, what do those words mean? He goes, listen to the song. <laughs> Eminem doesn't really break down his songs. He doesn't yeah, like, he true. says what he wants to say is on the song. Yeah, he doesn't there. need to it's elaborate. You can hear it. Right. And so it's almost like maybe that's where Kanye needs to stay is comprising everything into 16 bars. Uh, he obviously has some serious mental health issues. Um, he was trying to explain, it seemed like, to where it's like almost where it's like, I try, I'm not putting words in his mouth. I feel like that's what a lot of people are. Okay, I guess mm-hmm. I just transitioned quick, but I think that's what a lot of people are trying to do when they hear what he's saying. They're trying to dissect it and take what their hope he's saying and hope he's implying and things like that. And that like, hey, you know, like, there is. There's a gate. Like we know about Harvey Weinstein in the Hollywood industry. There's stop gates. There are boys clubs and there are different avenues that you either like you you follow what we say or you're out of here. And music industries are like that. Like the labels, it's a monopoly. Every industry is like that. So I understand what he's saying. But if you say something when you're trying to explain that and if you're really trying to get a message across and you're in a conversation with like Lex Freeman and Kanye West goes, well, the Jewish media, and then and then someone who is Jewish explains to you, like, listen, attack the individuals. Those people fucked you. I understand that. We're not giving them a pass. Like, call them out. But when you say things like Jewish media and things like that, that is, or JM, that's dog whistles based on propaganda from Joseph Goebbels himself, who was the propagandist for fucking Hitler. Yeah. And if you say it and not know, and you just think you're being a genius and you're making up this little phrase yourself and you say it, like he said, oh, JM, that's what I'll call it. And then Lex Friedman is like, no, no, that's also what Joseph Goebel said. Yeah, it's when, you, so- it's, when you, it's when you imply, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just had to get this out. It's, it's when you imply that like, okay, so let's just say that um, there are a lot of Jewish people at the head of entertainment at and the, at the head of music, which I, I believe is true. I have no reason not to believe that that's true. There are a lot of Jew, Jewish people in that in that industry and higher ups in that industry. But it's the implication that it's their Jewishness that is the, that is the problem. And right. That, and that's that was, was the issue at. that I took with a lot the of what Kanye that, said yeah. on Lex's show. So the issue that I took is when another Jewish person, in a very calm, collective, and concise manner, explained to him. I understand your grief. I understand what you're saying. You feel slighted and that's completely justified. But wording it like this is literally was what kicked off 
the Holocaust. And he just kept doing it. Like he didn't give a fuck that that hurt people's things. And then he would just keep deflecting and going, well, what about the Holocaust of uh, the abortions? And it's like, those are not the same thing. Okay. Whether, whether or not you agree with abortion or not, and whether or not you think that those are lives are being murdered. Those are, those people aren't being rounded up in cattle cars and being forced to do that. They aren't being humiliated and raped and tortured and having to wear fucking yellow stars on their chest or having their stores say Jude on it. You know what I mean? Like they're, they are not the same. And to try to compare the two, even though someone who's has family being a part of this explained to you, there is a serious mental blockage in there for him not to connect the two for being a genius. Yeah. And but when he says things, sometimes like you can hear his brain working in a unique way and that's what genius brains do. And sure. But the narcissism and this shit that he just thinks that he's just, his shit don't stink. And that only him, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt can decide which woman is hot and which woman isn't. Yeah. Like, is that like, is like you're trying to just, make light of a situation when you just said something very serious and you're pulling back and trying to make jokes to make light of it where it's like, no, this is a serious conversation, dude. Yeah. And, and here's, here's, here's the interesting thing is like one, and of I'm not a psychologist. I'm not trying to psychoanalyze the, analyze the guy, but like there's some serious fucked up shit going on in his brain. One of Lex Friedman's shortcomings and a lot of his more, I guess, controversial episodes is that he and and I think of the Mark Zuckerberg interview in particular. Um, and that is that Lex has, in his past, not done a very good job of calling out people's bullshit on his show. I feel like I feel like he did a pretty. I feel like he did a pretty good job. Like he could have handled it a little bit. I don't want to say better, but differently and pushed harder by kind of being a little bit more of an asshole, but that's that's not Lex's personality. That's not how so he that's rolls. The, that's the very first Lex Friedman podcast I've ever listened to. Really? Yeah. That's I, the first time I've ever listened to him. I listen to, I listen to him a few times a month depending on um, depending on who's on the show, but he had Zuckerberg but, on not long ago. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, Chris said this. He goes, Kanye knows a lot more than most than most than what most people do. He lives within that industry, one of the top-selling artists. He knows a lot more than we do. And I'm not discounting that. I'm not discounting like like his anger and what he's saying. He feels like he's been jaded. Yeah, he is very jaded. He feels like he's been slighted. And, you know, his, uh, his grievances might have, you know, merit. some weight to him. Merit, yeah. It's you the, know, they might again, have merit. But to blame... Input- it's the a implication. Race. It's the implication of the the of implication the of blaming a race yeah. is the same fucking thing that happens to the black community, and he of all people should understand that and know that. And like I made a joke to you, I said like, kind of like this is almost comparable to when he's like every time Lex Friedman would bring up uh, the fact that you know the. Jewish people were treated poorly and stuff like that. He go, yeah, but well, so were black people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, it's a kind of like a false equivalency. They both communities have been disparaged and exploited in their own ways. And it's almost, it reminded me like when I, the way I heard him saying that it reminded me of when I hear people talking about how black people were treated in the country and you hear someone go, yeah, but 
so were the Irish. They were indentured servants. And it's like, you know, it was terrible on both ends, but it's not the same. Yeah, it's, just because- it's, the, it's this idea that we don't have the discussion, the, just the discussion about race in America. Like, you and I have the discussion, and most people, there's a lot of people who probably don't take us seriously because we're two white guys who are non-Jews sitting here trying to talk about race. Hey, and- uh, to be fair, I do have 3% Judd. Jew in me. I don't know how you say that properly. What are you, Elizabeth Warren? With a David no, star no. on your head? No, I'm not, not going to walk around the yarmulke. I'm not going to change I'm going to start calling you Moses now. <laughs> you see these curls? <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I do uh, I do have 3% Jew in me. So to, uh, it's not to the point where I try to like walk in a room and go, <laughs> All I know is, you like, know. as an outsider, it really seems like Jews and black people getting into a culture war with each other right now is probably, like, the worst fucking thing that could possibly happen. <laughs> is that a crazy thing to say? It's just like, really? Now? Now we're going to do this, Kanye? <laughs> now we're going to have this argument? It just doesn't... <laughs> it just seems like a really bad time for this. I don't know. Sorry. No, try, yeah, just trying to make light. Like, just why are you going to add light. this into the mix? Just trying to make light. <laughs> right? <laughs> But I was just making a joke because I, I really am like three percent Jewish, but I don't like when people ask me my nationality. I don't go well, you know. What did, I'm uh, what, did what did Trump say about Elizabeth? What do you call her? Pocahontas? I'm gonna call you Moses. Yeah. I call you three percent Jewish blood. There we go. I'm gonna come on next time. I, I don't even I don't even know anything really enough about the religion to. You say I'm going to come out with a stereotypical thing without even that being offensive. So just going to let that one lie. Don't want to culturally appropriate. <laughs> my 3% ain't going to cover my ass, Dan. Uh, but I think the last thing I really wanted to talk about regarding this Kanye situation is like, this is a, the, the to me, the, the biggest example to date, given Kanye's um, celebrity status and just how huge he act, how, how huge he is, not only, uh, in America, but globally, this is why, like this boy who cried wolf wokeism shit about how you're offended about everything and everything that somebody says is offensive, and everybody who voted Republican is a Nazi, and anybody who who's even a centrist is a is a fucking Nazi. Like now, you actually have somebody of uh, high profile status actually spewing at least borderline borderline nazi propaganda and like real shit yeah anybody anybody who's who's not in the woke crowd is now not rightfully but still in their own mind justified to go ahead and defend Kanye West because you sat there and you bitched about how every single human being that didn't vote for a democrat or doesn't believe in gender affirming care or uh, you know, doesn't believe that abortion should just be able to ha- be had willy nilly, no matter what. Everybody that has doesn't have those views is a Nazi and a fascist. This is what you end up with. You end yeah. up with somebody actually behaving this way. Whether or not Kanye is actually an anti Semite, I'm n- I'm not going to say that because I don't like making those judgments about people. Uh, but my yeah, God, what really- he said, what he said, wow. On Lex Friedman's show. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what made me say wow was like the fact that Lex Friedman explained to him what he was saying was wrong and he kept doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, and like it was hard. It was hard to listen same, to. 
in the same conversation, you could say if he truly was an anti-Semite and he really hated all Jewish people. Why would he be on Lex Friedman's show? He wouldn't have gone on Lex Friedman's show. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's an interesting point. Like, with it, totally went over our heads there for the first 25 minutes of the show, but there you go. You know, it's, so it's, it's weird. I just, I honestly think that Kanye West has a serious chemical imbalance. I guess, in I guess what and I would everyone's just exploiting him on their whim to where now he's hanging out with Candace Owens. Like what the fuck? Like yeah. what the fuck? You think she really gives a shit about Kanye West? No, it's just a, a no, she uh, doesn't give a shit about Kanye West. They're just, she's, they're just grifting because she's an it's just awful fear mongering grifter. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, uh, I don't remember what my point was going to be, but this was, uh, it was it was really really difficult to listen to that. It, like I I muscled through all two hours, and I I appreciate um, Lex and his uh, his attempts to kind of make or or try and help Kanye understand what's wrong with the things that he's saying. Um, and honestly, like I hope he comes around. And what I th- what I was going to say was this. Actually, I just thought of it. Like. If you listen to that two-hour podcast of of him on Lex Friedman and Friedman and the things that he says, the actual words that come out of his mouth, and not just once, not out of context, but over and over and over again, I don't say this very often, but it's like those really you could argue were actual cancelable offenses, and I almost never, I never say that. Now, that doesn't mean that I think some woke mob should go after him. I, I don't know how I feel about Adidas pulling the plug on him and, 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 all, of, and all of the other stuff. I, I genuinely don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, but, but his I look at that, definitely but, should give the society I, a pause. I look at that and I go, based on what he said, this is at least the closest thing to that being justified that I've ever seen. And and yeah. I fucking hate that, dude. I really do because you and I talk about all the time about what, the reasons why people shouldn't be canceled, and why they should be given second opportunities. You know, uh, things being said out of context. You know what what happened to Joe Rogan over the summer, right? All of this stuff. It's it's so rare that I I, I look at these things and I go, oh wow, that that might actually be justified. It's like in, in fact, this is the first time I can remember since I you know kind of woke up to the culture war bullshit. Okay, Dan, so devil's it. advocate. Sure, go ahead. If he was straight up canceled, he wouldn't be going on shows like Lex Friedman. And we wouldn't actually be hearing true, clear examples of anti-Semitism and of how it is dog whistles. No, no, no. Use no. it as an example. Now, make no mistake. Make no mistake. It doesn't mean I don't think he should be able to speak. But like, I'm talking about like Adidas deciding to pull the plug on him, right? I, I'm talking about like these, these uh, corporations not deciding not to deal with Kanye anymore financially. It doesn't, oh, yeah, it doesn't mean he shouldn't be able now. to speak. doesn't mean he shouldn't be able to speak. I would never say that. Well, a contract with... Okay, so that's fair because when it comes to things like that, a contract with Kanye West, it's not a contract with him. It's it's his image. Adidas worked with Kanye because of his name and his marketing and his brand. If Kanye completely destroys that brand and it's tarnished and it ain't worth a shit, it's not profitable to them. Yeah, you know, I like they didn't, they did like Adidas didn't cancel uh, their contract with Kanye because of what he said. They canceled it because a bunch of people on Twitter and a bunch of people wrote letters and everyone told Adidas that like, if you're working with this person who is coming across as an anti-Semitic person, 
then we are not going to buy your products. Money, money speaks. You know what I mean? Like that's what happened. This ain't some Jewish cabal trying to take him down. This is because he was speaking shit that no one likes to hear. And that hurts Adidas's image. So they got rid of him. In transactionary situations like that, I understand people being canceled. And his solution is, let's just stop teaching history. (laughs) (laughs) He said that. Go listen to the Alex Friedman show. That's exactly what he said. We need to stop teaching history uh, in school. Now, you can argue about, you know, what types of history we should teach. But goddammit, it it definitely needs to be taught. Uh, We should definitely move on. We spent a lot of time on this. I told you during our show prep meeting that we were going to spend a shitload of time on this. uh, And we we absolutely did because it is important, you know, from, from, from the culture war, from the culture war perspective, which we hate. um, This is a, this is a big one. Um, I think we should move to this next. Midterm preview 1.0. The end of democracy. As it's, as it is, as it is often portrayed, I look at this and I go, this is like, this is the first time I've had a completely unbiased like view of of Republicans versus Democrats because I fucking hate both. Uh, but this is the first like election cycle where that's been relevant to me. And I look at this and I go, so we're either going to live in a fascist state uh, if Republicans take over the House and Senate, even though we still have a Democratic president, which is weird. So fuck off, Rob Reiner. Uh, and then if the uh, Democrats maintain possession of the House and Senate, which they currently already have anyway, uh, we are somehow going to be living in some sort of socialist dystopia where every child has to get uh, gender-affirming surgery. Uh, basically, we're going to be castrating all of your children. And uh, what's what's the other big thing? Oh, yeah, conservatives are going to be put in a camp and <laughs> sent to live in the desert. So either way, we're fucked. And yeah, and if it's yeah, like you here. said about the right, like it's literally it's gonna be Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> if it's the right, dude, it, it, like it's just the <clears throat> the political rhetoric behind this election. Like every every election cycle, I'm like, oh god, it can't get worse. Oh god, it just it can't get worse, and it gets worse every single time because right now you have thing. Wait, like uh, I'll I'll give a, a left wing example. What did what did Stacey Abrams just say recently that like having children is uh, the, the cause of uh, economic issues? I'm paraphrasing here. I don't know what she actually said, but like her solution was that abortions should just be all over the place. <laughs> like that would that's 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 like her big talking point. And then uh, and I paraphrased it. You can look it you up. You think if she loses this time, she'll actually concede? No. No, she won't. Because no one talks about that. No one talks about how she also didn't concede for her election last time. Well, dude, did you hear the Hillary Clinton comments from earlier this week? She's already talking about how there's a right-wing conspiracy to steal the 2024 presidential election. You can go find it. It's it's available. Like, like yeah, and they like, talked like, about how she this lost is, because of Russian collusion. This is what we're doing now. This is just it's just going to be neither side ever accepting defeat. And you and I, or at least I, I don't know about you. I'm not going to speak for you, but I'm just going to be. I'm just going to watch these elections with a, a a nihilistic libertarian view and go and just laugh my ass off and just just watch and see how things resp- and see how things are responded to. Because I can already tell you that if Republicans take control of the House and Senate, which appears to be pretty likely this this go around. What's it going to be blamed on, Corey? It's going to be blamed on racism. It's going to be blamed on uh, bigotry. You know, we have we have we have racist, bigoted voters 
that uh, are pieces of shit. And you know, you sit there and you, you blame look, on you, Kanye Goebbels. You look at you look Goebbels. at the rhetoric. You look at the rhetoric from like places like Occupy Democrats, and it's just like all they do is shit on Republican voters and and shame them. And it's like you want people to you want more people to vote blue. We know that psychologically shaming people into voting blue or voting red for that matter, it doesn't even matter. Shaming people to vote a certain way is a tactic that is never going to work. And it's interesting. Oh, it works. Just not for the people. Not for not for the people that are voting the other way. And it's really interesting too, because we sit there and we talk about third parties and 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 you and I are you're a little bit more libertarian than me, but we both have libertarian values and we look at this and we and and we actually shame people for liking either side. So it's like, are we any better than them? I was thinking about that earlier today. <laughs> we we shame people for being Republican and Democrat. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm a fucking hypocrite. <laughs> Yeah, we just have to make sure that we're not assholes, I guess. I try, dude. I try. It's like, I, you know, all you got to do is like, I, what I've started to do with, especially people that are close to me, and I find it working slowly. I, I just give them examples, just little examples, slowly over time, because you don't want to overwhelm people. You don't want to, you don't want to blow up their hard drive, right? About how uh, Republicans and Democrats where their crossover is. And if you can find where their crossover is on an issue that's super important to them, that's when that's when the that's when the the, the new thoughts kind of start to trickle in of like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Kind of yeah, no, you're right. Like I used that example of uh when I was hanging out with people in that smoke section over at that bar at a union bar. And a lot of them were Trump supporters. And I was hanging out with people who were the furthest thing from it. And we were in this bar and they, they kind of started to argue about Trump and Biden and things like that. And then I noticed the guy who was for Trump had a UAW uh, hoodie on. And I was like, Oh, you're union. And I was like, they're over here. They're, they wish they were in unions and then just change it to a class issue. And then immediately yeah. they found a common ground. And then the whole tone of the conversation changed. And the other important part is like not having these conversations with them. And sometimes it's really hard. I know. Not having these conversations with them and talking to them like talk don't talk down to them. Don't talk down to them like they're stupid. It's hard to do sometimes, I know. And I fuck it up sometimes. If you just find a crossover issue between Republicans and Democrats and you just present it to them in a way of like, hey, look, they both do the same shit. And you but you have to find examples and they have to be Oh uh, yeah. It dude. has to be an issue that's important to them. And at like, this point it's super easy to find examples. Oh, body autonomy, vaccine mandates. Yeah, Ukraine, Wade. Ukraine, Iraq, Afghanistan. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it, it, it's 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 not that hard. But like Nazis, Muslims, Muslim extremists. Sorry, I don't mean to <laughs> say that and encamp the two with each other. That's not what I meant at all. Somebody's gonna pull that. Somebody's I was talking, pull that. <laughs> <laughs> talking about supporting Nazis with guns. Okay, just sit down, please. Supporting Muslims extremists with guns in the Middle East and in Ukraine. Like it's. Yeah, very very simple. Uh, but it it does take time. It takes time. You're not gonna get. You're not gonna get that to happen. Uh, it takes patience. Yeah, it's and, like, and that's the thing too is we live in a world where a fast food fast food society mm. where everything just needs to be quick. Where it's more convenient just to shut each other down than a next day. Take delivery. the time to have these fucking conversations. And I guess that's like that's the best advice you can have if you're not willing to let someone extrapolate 
and hear their views and then actually take them in and have a good faith com- good faith conversation then i guess just shut the fuck up and keep your opinion to yourself because it's not worth a shit well you could tell right shouting out your opinion and telling everyone else to shut up when they try to express theirs doesn't help the conversation and this is why this is why social media sucks for stuff like this right because the first thing a social media person turns to when you point out a flaw in their political argument or a flaw in their cultural argument the first thing they do is straw man that's the first thing they turn to or what about every single time and if that's the first response you get regardless of how coherent your response is to them it, it's not worth your time like don't don't bother because yeah maybe uh, a debate class should be mandatory for every single student there you go if you're if you listen to Kanye maybe take out the history throw in debate there you go <laughs> Uh, so anyway, the pre- preview to this this particular midterm is um, very interesting. Like right, so like the big prediction. Do you have all the polls in front of you? Sorry I, to oh, cut I, you oh, off. I actually do. I had them. Well, not all of them, but most of them. Actually, let me refresh it because it might have updated. Might have been from yesterday. But yeah, yeah we got so. we got some stats here, so we're not just pulling shit out of our ass. We're what we're talking about is the uh, the 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 tone of the country, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. I, I know there's a better word than tone, but. So I guess it depends on what angle you want to approach it from. Like, does Trumpism concern you? Like, is that your big concern? Because that's the, uh, you know, that's the that's the big existential threat, right? That's the end of democracy. That's the fascism. So you want to talk about races that are scary if you're afraid of Trumpism? Uh, I would say the Arizona governor's race, because Kerry Lake is going to win that election. Um, and the other one well, didn't Katie Hobbs deny uh, debating her? Yeah, I don't think they ever did debate. I could be wrong about no. that. I know, no, they didn't debate. I know that, but I forget who wanted the debate and who didn't. So I think it was the Republican that wanted the debate, and the Democrat turned it down. Lake is up anywhere right? from four points to eleven points right now, depending on which which poll you're. Lake's the at. Republican, right? Correct. Yeah, she's a yeah, she's a, a nut job. But um, yeah, you know that's what they give uh, Fetterman preps for Fetterman stumbled his way through a debate and fucking Katie Hobbs didn't even show up. She's like, I'm not debating. Although uh, I think John Fetterman might've fucked himself because uh, insider advantage uh, today has Oz up three. Uh, Yeah. Fetterman did a really bad job. What's up, brightness? Very interesting uh, there. So the other big one is one that's close to home here. And that's the Michigan gubernatorial race, which if you had asked me three months ago, I would have said, Whitmer should win by six points, maybe a little more. That uh, margin since the summer has shrunk quite a bit. I don't know yeah. how much of that is the fact that like Republicans in Michigan are caring more now that we're close to now that we're closer to the election. Uh, but that's that's a fact, you know. When when it comes to midterms, like what is it? Uh, presidential elections. It's like four weeks before anyone really pays attention. And when it's uh, midterms, it's like two weeks. But I look at this. I look at the Michigan gubernatorial race, and I, and I still, if I'm, if first of all, I wouldn't bet on this. But uh, if I were forced to bet on this, I still think it would be. It's going to be Whitmer by a, a tight margin. But if uh, November 9th rolls around and I find out that Tudor Dixon is our new governor, am I going to be shocked? Absolutely not. I will absolutely not be shocked because. I feel like a lot of the polling early on underestimated Tudor Dixon in the same way that 
Trump. Uh, Trump was underestimated. And, and the thing about it is, as much as I completely disagree with her politics, like, Tudor Dixon isn't, uh, she, she's not a Carrie Lake, and she's not, uh, obviously not a Marjorie Taylor Greene or, or a Lauren Boebert, although she has the same politics as them, election denier, Trumpist, all that stuff. She speaks well. She really does. Like her, she's she's she articulates herself well, and she doesn't say stupid things. Like she says things that you might find ridiculous uh, if you're a pro-choice person. Uh, but she she has done a, re- and I hate admitting this because I can't stand the woman, but she has done a really good job over the last few months of closing that gap with things like uh, uh, violence and. Um, Michigan economy and pointing out how the uh, about how Michigan had uh, something I can't remember the exact number but 30 something percent of small businesses close over covid which was the highest in the country percentage wise um which was that fact checked I, I I found it in a few different places percentage wise I think that's accurate uh, but I could be wrong like I'm not I'm not willing I'm willing to admit if I if I'm wrong if somebody's got a different number I I'm totally cool I'm totally cool with You're that not but I in that cross but either, no, I won't die on that cross. But I <coughs> or on that hill. But either way, either way, it's high, right? If it's not number one, you got to imagine it's in the top two or three. So she's she's done a nice job there, and it's 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 a, it's a really scary perspective if you're an anti-Trump person when you actually have like decently articulate people running for his cause. It terrified. Betsy DeVos is the one who went to uh, Trump and said, "Hey, endorse this chick." Yeah, yeah. Tudor Dixon's basically a Betsy DeVos clone, so that'll be that'll it'll be it'll be interesting. It's going to be an interesting. It's going to be an interesting day. I'm going to be glued to the TV. I'm going to be watching that one close. I still think Whitmer's going to win in a tight race, but I'm not going to be shocked if Tudor Dixon pulls this one out. I'm not. I'm not, and I'm not even like. I'm not even uh, afraid to say it. It's very possible. Yeah, I mean, from a campaign strategic standpoint, it almost hurts Whitmer that. Uh, abortion is a ballot issue and not a government or a governor issue. Well, that was, that was one of the most brilliant things that Dixon just did this last week was that she did say, even though she's anti-abortion, um, she, she has changed her, her tune on health of the mother, the health of the mother part portion of it. So now where it's rape and incest. She, she changed her tune on that. Yeah. No. So health of the mother is the only viable exception is what she okay. is basically what she said, which is different from what she said before. But also she did say that if proposal three passes, which is the abortion proposal uh, here in Corey and I's home state of Michigan, uh, if it does pass and abortion, abortion is made is kept illegal, she will she will respect it. So like. I don't, I, th- I don't know if that's a brilliant move or not. It kind of seems like it is in a purple state. It sounds so we'll like she's see. been listening to the conservative, Dan, because I've been saying that her dumb ass has been making it about her campaign when it's a ballot issue for like yeah. two months. <laughs> yeah, so, so I mean, look. God damn it. I shouldn't even have said that. And uh, I think the other thing we were going to talk about with regards to the midterms is like the people that we're relying on to, to save our country. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we were saying that in the show right now. Like everyone's like talking about the big, the big, uh, the big seat that everyone that really, really matters is the Fetterman Mehmet. Is it Mehmet? Mehmet Oz. Oz. I don't even know how to say his first name. I just know him as Doctor Oz. And it's it's down, it's down to the wire between a carpet bagging grifter 
and a stroke victim. I mean, it's just a, the most consequential election of these midterms, or one of the other, uh, one of the most consequential elections. And the other consequential election is a, a, a football player with brain injuries and paying paying women off for and abortions, a and a and a and a pastor named Raphael Warnock. It's like. These are the two most consequential elections in the Senate races. Like wh- this, like these are the people that we have. Like we thought it was bad enough when <laughs> it was like, best hey, God, man. it was like we thought it was bad enough when it was like Trump and Biden, and we and we all went, this is the best we got, right? <laughs> and and like, that's you know, and uh, I think they said it on breaking points, but I think and I think uh, I think it was Crystal that said it. They made a really good point that like all the Republicans are just like shaking their head, going, "Oh my God, I can't believe that they're making Fetterman do this." I can't believe they're making him go out there. And it's like, but they have no problem with Herschel Walker doing it. <laughs> Herschel Walker has clear CTE. <laughs> or at least it's sure like his like first it. thing he said when he came out to debate. Like, who is worse? <laughs> Herschel Walker coming out and going, I'm a dumb country boy. Here's the or, fucked up thing. Walker's- or Fetterman having the shortest debate in the in the history of the country when his first thing when he came out and says, Hi, I'm John Fetterman. Good night. <laughs> Like I don't know which is worse. That's the thing is, but and they're both dead heats too, right? It's just like right, both like of those races. Both of those races are so close, and we're relying on these either. And I don't mean to be a ableist, reality star carpet bagging grifter versus a, a, a stroke victim who's clearly struggling. Like I don't mean to be ableist, but it's like right. I, I don't have and a problem with him. Someone with clear CTE who subs, who has a fake badge and pulls it out and they tell him <laughs> to put the props away and says, I'm a dumb country boy. And yeah. a pastor who is clearly running on the basis of theology. And who nobody's heard from since the last election. The last, Remember the Georgia runoff, the big Georgia runoff deal after 2020? Who's heard Raphael? It was last time you heard of Warnock. Then. Yeah, after yeah, the yeah. after the runoff. If yeah, it, exactly. If it, if like, it wasn't that's, that's if it wasn't for Herschel Walker, nobody would care. And like, you, I mean, you've got you've got the more left leaning publications polls having Warnock up too. You've got the 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 more right leaning ones like the Daily Wire and Trafalgar having Walker up too. So it's like it's obviously really close. <laughs> it's just. These are the people that we're relying on to save our country right here. Dr. Oz and fucking Herschel Walker. Like, that's what makes me so infuriated. <laughs> Flip the coin. Fetterman and Warnock. I mean, I mean, Warnock's at least. Depending on, on what it. side you're on. <clears throat> but I look at that and I go, Republicans have the audacity to sit there and talk about how shitty Democrats are just because they're Democrats. And. It's fine because Democrats do the same thing to, to to Republicans. I get it, but then you run a carpet bagging grifter, a reality TV, star carpet bagging TV grifter, show Dan. host as daytime TV and and a, and a dumbass CTE laden football player to run your most consequential as your most consequential candidates in this election. And you want to say how bad Democrats are. That's the thing about these two fucking parties. It's just like, they're bad. Vote for us. No, they're bad. Vote for us. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> Good night. It's just, it's awful. It, and, the, and, the, and the rhetoric is just so, it's so bad. And it's so unreasonable. Like, I just, I cannot believe the point we've gotten to, like, where every single career politician or 
idiot carpetbagger who tries to be a, a politician. Uh, how dumb they still think we are. It just it, it it's it's interesting because like I'm just having this thought process pop up of how this just literally exposes just the disgusting grossness, the rot, the uh, the the swamp as Trump would put it of the two party system. It doesn't fucking matter who the person is. It matters on who has control of the Senate. They could literally be the head of lettuce that outlasted Liz Truss in the UK coming here and just speaking dead silence in every response to Warnock or Fetterman on that stage or flip-flop it ahead of lettuce to Herschel Walker or Oz. And depending on whether or not you think you should vote blue no matter who or that the Democrats are socialists and you're going to save the country by voting for red, it doesn't fucking matter who it is because the other alternative is worse. When you're stuck with a binary two option, this or that, you're going to go with this or that, you know, based on who you align with in the party. It's the bowl it's the bowl of shit analogy, right? Like this bowl of shit is 8 ounces. This bowl of shit is only 7. Which one would you like to have for dinner? I guess right. I'll take the seven ounces because this shit's disgusting. Like that's that's exactly what this is. And so I I don't know how I'm gonna react on election night, but I think there's going I think I'm gonna smoke a ton of weed and oh, I'm just gonna sit there. And I'm actually gonna watch CNN because CNN is like election night is like the only night I actually enjoy watching CNN because the way the way they present the board is just fantastic. But it's the only thing they do well. I always flip flop. Which is which I always flip flop between Fox and CNN. And anytime there's a big update on one side or the other when it comes to the race, I'm like going back and forth relentlessly, like boom, 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 boom. Just seeing the reactions of faces, you can see like some of them try to hide excitement. And then other people is like try to hide like anguish. <laughs> and it's just I don't know. I just find it it just cracks me up. Yeah, it's gonna. Well, I think I might watch CNN because I do expect I it, like because everybody always says right like like twenty twenty was like red wave or blue wave right blue wave like this time it's red wave red wave and it never really exactly turns out that way. It's always way closer than the side that is predicted to win says it's going to be always. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a rough night for Democrats. There's no question about it. Like when you look, when you look at the real clear politics polling, right? For the last, I think six months in a row, if I can find this here, um, here we go. Uh, approval numbers: Republicans versus Democrats. As of Thursday, the twentieth, from Monmouth, Republicans fifty, Democrats forty four. Uh, CNBC Republicans forty eight Democrats forty six. I mean, it's just it's always the uh, approval within a couple points. Yeah, the approval, but the approval ratings of Republicans are higher in every single one of those. So, like, you want to know what's really sad is like I don't know if you could find that poll on your uh, your source page, but the one that says where like seventy percent of Americans think America is on the wrong track. That's that's not on here, but yeah, I've seen it and we know it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a very bipartisan poll. That's the thing. It's like, but but it's on the wrong track for like opposite different reasons. reasons. It's, and it's all yeah. culture war bullshit, isn't it? Yeah. 
Dude, it's crazy. This is gonna be fun. This is gonna be fun. I'm gonna enjoy this election because it's the first it's the first election cycle where I'm like I'm going to the polls and I'm not voting based on fear. Come on in, boys. Come on in, girls. The water's fine. Like it's okay. You don't have to go vote. Go vote. Go voting based on fear. Yeah, no, I'm excited. To, I guess I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious to see how it goes. I'm just so numb to the fear mongering of this side or that side. It's the end of democracy, Corey. It's the end of democracy. Sure is. Uh, I'm sure we'll regroup on this because we will have one more show prior uh, to election night. So Corey and I, we'll put some. We'll put something together for you. It'll be fun. We'll have a good time with it. Yeah, I'd like to do one more show. And like, even though, like, I'm sorry for the rest of the audience, but at this point, like, trying to go through every ballot for our small two-team operation here might be tough, but we might be able to at least dive into Michigan since we're close. We'll, we'll go through the big ones. We'll go through the big ones. We'll go through, we'll go through, uh, you know, the, the more consequential. Have you ever noticed that, by the way? Like the last six elections have been like the most consequential election in U.S. history. <laughs> every every election cycle, this is the most consequential. Every single election. time, it's the most. Well, it's like yeah, it is because it's the current election, so it's the one that matters most. <laughs> you know, whatever the current election is, is always the most consequential. It's always yeah, because the one that happened a year ago doesn't matter. It's this one. This one's the most consequential. Yeah, it's like that's like what's the sports analogy? One game at a time. One game at a time. Uh, you want to talk about Pfizer a little bit here, Corey? Uh, we got a couple more topics we can cover, I think, before we uh, end the show. Yeah, you said, uh, so Does is Pfizer preparing for an emergency use to be lifted? No, just my hypothesis. This is just my hypothesis. Oh, okay. Because you, you had mentioned that they're preparing to v- raise the price of the COVID vaccine by like 4,000% <laughs> or whatever So Pfizer... So I literally, so full disclosure, I literally sat here trying to do this math and trying to figure out what price that America was paying for uh, the Pfizer vaccine to the point where it would be 10,000%. But I don't know if Reuters and stuff, even because this is Reuters. Reuters. Okay. I like Reuters. I, I, I Reuters. trust Reuters for the most part. Yeah. And so they're saying that... Uh, uh, like obviously, like this is true that they're talking about. They want to make the price for uh, the the uh, vaccine like one hundred and fifty, like two hundred dollars or something like that per dose. And it's per dose, but I couldn't find the number because. So this is where I was confused, right? So I couldn't find the number because, like, if you do the math, ten thousand percent, like an upcharge of two thousand percent for something of like two hundred dollars. That's literally like a $2 vaccine. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is where I'm like confused when I talk about their math, because that's like a $2 vaccine, but everything I can find is saying that America is paying like 19 to $20 for the vaccine. And so regardless, if it's going from $20 to $200, that's a, what would that be? That would be a thousand percent increase. A, a, yeah. Well, I, I would, I just made up an arbitrary number there, man. I was, I was. Wait, no, 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 no. I guess no. What I'm saying is, like, I was sitting here trying to scramble to try to see if this ten thousand number was justified, but I don't know if it is. Ten thousand percent, based on all the numbers that I can find, I don't know. That seems extreme. That would mean that the that the uh, the original price of what people were paying for the vaccine was two dollars, but I can only find twenty. So this would be more of like a thousand percent increase. Oh, regardless, so, so much better. <laughs> <laughs> right, I was just, that's what you just heard me say regardless but regardless of that 
they're talking about raising the price of the vaccine from $20 to like $200. And it's a vaccine to where like a study from the university of Michigan just came out. Like the transmissibility of the boosters is no better or the effectiveness of the boosters is no better than the previous round of boosters. And it's just, it's insane to me how it just, uh, the narrative is like, well, yeah, the price might go up, but it's still free of charge for you. Like, don't worry. Your insurance will still cover it. Don't worry. (laughs) Medicaid and Medicare will still cover it. But it's like, no, it's still being fucking paid for with our tax money. It's not free. So this is now- this is why I have the hypothesis that I have. Right. Because currently, under the emergency use author, this is just the way I understand it. Somebody can correct me on Because that's another impo- that's an important thing, too. Remember, it's still not a approved vaccine. Under it the- is still under the Emergency Youth Authorization Act. So under the Emergency Youth Use Authorization, that includes the stipulation in which they are not allowed to be manufacturers of vaccine are not allowed to be sued if anything goes wrong, right? Um, if lots of people get sick from it or whatever happens, which thankfully to this point, it's, a, it's still remarkably rare that anybody gets seriously sick, but obviously we have the myocarditis data. Like There have been people that have been vaccine injured. It does happen. It's not a thing that you can just dismiss as if it's, it yeah, never happens. To pretend that it happens with other vaccines, but not this one is just silly. It's insane. Um, and so my, my hypothesis is that the fact that they're raising the price by however much is to cover their asses for possible lawsuits in the future. I could be dead wrong about this. It's just a, a, a you could even call it a conspiracy theory. I don't really care. Uh, it's just it's just a hypothesis that went through my head. It's just like, why would they feel the need to do that now when all the data shows that nobody's getting these boosters? I mean, almost nobody's getting these boosters. Like the I, I I saw the percentages earlier today. I don't really care what they are, but they're very very low. Nobody's getting them. Why are you raising the price of a product? That has no demand. Yeah, it's you know, it honestly makes no sense. Because like, you know, you learn when it comes to like a product, if if the perceived value is going down, which is what is happening, the people aren't seeing the value in the product, they don't see it worth anything. So if you want to it's it's not a fucking Louis Vuitton bag where you make it expensive to make it seem like it's valued at more. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's not like it's a BMW to where you raise the price way up to make it to where it's like you're buying this car it's as good as every other car but you're buying it for because it's a bmw <laughs> you know what i mean like it's it's the perceived value people buy louis vuitton and bmw when they even though they could still buy a fucking mazda or a gap bag they buy it for the logo for the prestige you so I don't understand why they're raising the price when people aren't buying it anyways without adding value to it. They're trying to say that there's value added, but every study that comes out of places like University of Michigan it isn't there. Mm-hmm. So I think all this is going to do is just make less people get the vaccine. This is from a business perspective, not a uh, lawsuit perspective or anything like that. But it just, it doesn't make sense to me. Makes I no guess sense. if I was on that board with my fucking monkey brain i'd be like well hold on guys well, hold on, but guys. it just hold it on, just guys. shows a big pharma it's just but at the same time it's big pharma doing what big pharma does hold on guys are you guys serious are you guys serious? they're trying to get the price you- of this vaccine up there with rsv and, or not 
Does RSV have a vaccine? I don't think RSV no, does, but I know flu does. You're talking about the, like, but they're the trying to get up there with prices for like flu vaccines and stuff. Oh. That's about how much a flu vaccine is. Are you guys and at the same time? They're going to keep telling people to keep doing it. I had my doctor recently kind of like, he didn't push on it. He wasn't a prick, but I had my son in there and they're like, do you want to get him the flu vaccine? And I said, no, he's fine. He literally just had the flu like two or three weeks ago. And they're like, well, we still recommend it. And I was like, well, since when? I'm like, you hear doctors all the time. Like Fauci himself <laughs> said, you don't need to get the flu vaccine if you had the flu. And they're like, well, you know, you're right, but it's just, it's an extra precaution and this and that. And it was just like, well, we're not going to do that. And he goes, okay, that's understandable. <laughs> but it's almost just like, it's just, they're all just trying to make fucking money, we man. Still, we, we still recommend it. Uh, last thing I wanted to talk about tonight, Corey, was um, these 30 progressives that just decided to cuck out once again to the Democratic Party's establishment with regards to possible, possible peace negotiations in Ukraine. We had 30... I'm not even going to say that they were all progressives because I don't think there are that... First of all, I don't think any of these No, they were. Actually, they were a part I, of the... I, I understand. I understand. Progression. I understand their label. I understand what their label is. But I'm not I'm not going to call them progressives, if that makes sense. Okay. These, are, these people aren't That's progressives. AOC is not a progressive... None of these people are progressives. But they did take a nice step in writing a letter to I don't Congress. even know if AOC was one of those 30, was she? I believe she was. <laughs> I believe she was. I believe the entire squad was involved. Let's see. Uh, Pramila, Pramila Jayapal. Uh, who else was in there? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look that up. You can keep. Uh, AOC, AOC like- called on Biden to take immediate steps to negotiation with Russian President Vladimir Putin. So she... I would imagine she signed that letter. But either way, I look at this and I go, these are the things progressives are supposed to do. They're supposed to be the anti-war wing, the, you know, wing of the people for the Democratic Party. And every single time, every single time, they cuck out. They cuck out to the Democratic establishment. They did it with the force to vote. They did, and and they're, and they're doing it again. And all it took was a letter, a letter suggesting that the West needs to negotiate with Vladimir Putin to end this war, to be completely shot down for them to go. Okay, sorry. Okay, okay. Oops, sorry. We'll uh, we'll sit down. Yeah. And, we'll sit down and and hold our place here in our little popularity right. contest. For real quick, for people who don't know what we're talking about when it comes to the letter, the the letter called on Biden to consider a diplomatic path to end Russia's war on Ukraine if the opportunity arises. Acknowledging the difficulty of direct talks with Putin, the lawmakers encourage consideration of a negotiated settlement as the risk of nuclear war rises. Ukraine opposes such a diplomatic path because that would likely require surrendering some of its territory to Moscow. And the Biden administration has pledged that the U.S. wouldn't do anything without Kiev's backing. And here's the interesting thing about that, Corey. Uh, McCarthy warned on Tuesday. What are we? What are we? Thursday now? 
Uh, yeah. no, okay, so last Thursday, the, the the 18th of October, that Republicans will not, quote, write a blank check for Ukraine if they win back the House majority. So you have Republicans that want this war over, and you have progressives that want this. Imagine that. Imagine a little bit of a common ground between the progressive wing of the Democratic Party and Republicans. Now, is any of it being done in good faith? Probably not. It's probably all bullshit. Is that the narrative you're ever going to hear? Right. And yeah, no, it's not. And it's just it's just frustrating because of the fact that like you have these people who are like in there in the Senate looking around going, hey, wait, hold on. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready to see mushroom clouds <laughs> over land in Ukraine. All, all they're of not Congress, because they're believe, not an ally. I believe this is mostly they're not a member, and thing. now all of a sudden there's this weird line drawn about land when it's like when no one's even talking about which land they're even talking about when it comes about like land that uh, Russia took because roughly half of what is taken was taken in 2014, and we were okay with it then. Yeah, I mean the big the big thing is 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 super obvious. Like it's so it's so fucking crazy. There we're at a point now where when we have this this like the really serious actual threat of nuclear war. I'm I'm not a big enough nihilist to think that it's actually going to happen. I obviously we all hope it doesn't. I'm leaning towards it's probably not going to happen because of mutually assured destruction. But we're as close as we've been in fucking forever and just saying that negotiating makes you a, a, a Putin apologist as if being it's a fucking Putin, ridiculous. as if being a Putin apologist justifies nuclear war like the right. more important thing is just the nukes not being launched like that's yeah. the most important thing here right yeah let me let me tell you dan uh i almost kind of wanted to open with this that i didn't even but i figured i'd try to save it for this segment L- literally last night i had a dream about nuclear war i did i did i was i i I was in my dream. I was in my driveway. Were you driving an like, Were you driving an electric Hummer? No, I was just. I was in my driveway of my house, and my wife and kid were inside, and I saw the nuclear blast. I saw the mushroom cloud. But in my dream, I knew based on the blast for some reason that it wasn't actually a nuclear blast, but it was a dirty bomb. You know how dreams are fucking weird like that. Right, 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 right. right. And I ran inside, but I was, but here's what's kind of weird to me is in my dream, I wasn't panicked. I went inside and I got my family and we just took our next steps. And so like at work, you know, I'm really trying to like psychoanalyze this. I'm not usually a dream psychoanalyzer or whatever, but it's like, here I am on the, like me and you are kind of like, kind of see ourselves on the outside of just just like all of it. Cause we're kind of like observing everything. It seeped into my unconscious brain to where this is actually something I guess that I'm thinking about to the point where I had a dream about it. And in my dream, I didn't even panic <laughs> because I'm already numb to the idea. And then that, that when I woke up, the dream wasn't even there. It took like 20 minutes. And I'm brushing my teeth and I was like, oh, fuck. I had a dream about a nuclear ever, war last night. Do you ever think back to like, because you and I were both born in the late 80s. Right, we were both born like kind of at the tail end of the Soviet Union, the very tail end. Can, do, you, do you ever think about like what your parents were thinking when the Soviet Union collapsed? When they finally went, 
We don't have to worry about our children and ha- and and our children having to worry about new. Yeah, we were war. too young for that. But that's the thing is like those, those were the days. Those were the days where they 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 would have been like we don't have, our children don't have to worry about nuclear war. And now here we are yeah. in our thirties, and you have the media and you have establishment Republicans and Democrats in certain factions talking about how it's you know like not even really discussing how it's a big deal. Like I just cannot believe the way in which we're just moonwalking our, 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 our leaders or lack thereof are just nonchalantly discussing nuclear war. And if I say, I don't want nuclear war, that's what pisses me off, dude, is they're nonchalantly talking about it. But Biden's telling his like big dog donors about how we're in a nuclear Armageddon, but not saying anything to the general public, like fuck us. Right. Right. Well, yeah, well they all have bunkers. Right. I mean, it's just I I I don't I, I just don't understand how nuclear war can be used in a way like COVID was. Didn't understand it with COVID either, but I really don't understand it with nuclear war. How that is an issue that is used for you and I to hate each other. Because if if I say I don't want nuclear war well, you're a Putin apologist. Wait, what? Like that's that's the first that's like that's the first thing that if you say, let's start negotiations. You're a Putin apologist. Putin's evil. Putin invaded Ukraine. It's all Putin's fault. And it's like I'm not denying any of that. You're not denying any of that. We just would like for nukes to stay where they are. Actually, we would really like for them to be disarmed and disposed of. But I don't think that's really an option at this point. Right. Take all the nukes. Turn them into a. Uh nuclear plants give a bunch of people free energy how about that can't have it anyway uh and we still didn't get to the la uh, city council issue well you know that's still a developing story uh, we can give a quick uh synopsis because i've been trying to talk about this i'll throw the banner now. out there racism 2022 in los angeles oh real quick oh wait uh hmm. what'd you miss there was. I want to give out a uh, to the last segment. I'm going to give out a shout out to Ro Khanna from California, who said that she that or he said he didn't support withdrawing the letter, calling it common sense in a CNN interview. He said all the letter said is that we, at the same time that we stand with Ukraine, need to make sure that we are, that we're reducing the risk for nuclear war, that we're engaging in talks with the Russians to make sure that the conflict doesn't escalate. He said. And he's right. And you know what? Because it's bullshit that Biden says that we won't do anything without Kiev's backing. It's like, I'm sorry. Since when did we take orders from Kiev? Yeah. Or like, Kiev? Like, you're not, like, you're not the ones... Uh, I was watching this video... Training and all of the military and, on, what, on what to do. I was watching this video, and there's a joke going around in Russia, and all the people who are, like, Russian, like, patriots... That America is going to fight this war to the last Ukrainian standing. Uh, yeah, that's not just a Ukrainian sentiment. I think Jimmy Dore said that exact same thing. <laughs> that's that's yeah. true. And Down then, the and then we'll be like, yeah, America's going to fight this war to the last Ukrainian is standing. I guess that just makes Jimmy Dore a, a, a Putin apologist. He's a Putin apologist because <laughs> he doesn't want nuclear war. Yeah, horrible. Uh, whatever. Nuclear war, it is what it is. No big, All right, so- no big problem. LA school board real quick. We'll just, we'll elaborate on this. City council. Why do you keep saying school boards? The city council. Sorry. It's city council. (laughs) 
Nuri Martinez, Jill Sadello, and Kevin D. Leon uh, all got caught in a recording saying very racist things. They're all Hispanic, and they were saying very racist things about other Hispanics and black people in their communities as they were working on gerrymandering. And I can already tell this is going to be turning into a 20-minute conversation. So yeah, basically, next week. Basically to the effect of, uh, and, I, and I'm, I'm quoting here, so nobody get crazy. Uh, basically to the effect of, we don't want those darkies in our district. Basically, yeah, that's not you saying that. That was Nuri Martinez. Yeah, that's yeah, that's and I and, and I, that was a nice way. That was a nice way of saying what they yeah. actually said. And what we're going to get into is how identity politics and racism is shrouding the idea that they were literally sitting there gerrymandering their counties. And so, tune in next week for the racism in 2022 Los Angeles oh, fucking city council, and, not the school board. And part, if you're confused. <laughs> And and part, <laughs> and part two of the end of the world, uh, otherwise known as the 2022 midterms. Uh, Corey, tell the people where they could find us one more time. Libservative Podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is podpage.com slash Libservative. We can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at Libservative Pod. You can find our transcripts at libservativepodcast.wordpress.com. Our Tic Tac videos can be found at Libservative Podcast. And you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Subscribe today. Make sure to give a review. And if you have a good review, we will read it on the show like I'm about to right now. So I'm not a goddamn hypocrite. We had a review last week from... Uh, find it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I made you, like six posts that's posted last time for I totally a thought you had that prepared. Yep, I thought I did too. <laughs> <laughs> From whatever he didn't, whoever it is, if you're out there, it looks like you just made your podcast username a bunch of letters mashed together. But they gave us a five star review that says. Fun and informative. These guys make politics fun-ish. <laughs> with, all, with all the my side versus theirs out there, it's nice to see people try to look at it from both angles. I think that was or from all angles. I think that might have been Spike Cohen. I hope so. <laughs> but I feel like he wouldn't have made his his, his Spike Cohen's name. <laughs> username is his Apple username. Is it's literally HDIS. J D B S J. It literally looks like someone just went <laughs> on the keyboard. <laughs> I can see Spike going getting pissed off enough to just jam keyboards in the jam his keyboard. God, you really got to be a libertarian nerd. You heard Spike it from Cohen Spike is, Cohen, so. aka Hutchins. <laughs> the podcast is fun and informative. Five stars. I don't think we need this banner up anymore. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he's. Uh, this has been conservative. He's been Corey Walsh. He's been Dan Griffin. And until next time, we if we're still here due to nuclear war, we're out of here. Yeah, hopefully, my dream isn't a premonition. Bye. We the people cannot turn back.